Hello. Hello. I like that hello, but can you do it in a slightly different delivery? Sure. Give us a hello, but make it more like a goodbye. All right, then. Hello. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Good. It's factorially. It certainly is. Another exciting episode awaits us. Yes, it certainly does. Hello, Simon Wells. Hello, Bruce Fielding. I will forever now refer to you as Bruce Fielding rather than just Bruce. Will you? <laughs> I will. How about if I call you Cy or S? Do you know what? I'm perfectly happy with Cy. Are you? I have many people calling me Cy. Do you? I think it, it doesn't suit your voice, though, so maybe don't. Okay. Okay. All right, Mr. Wells. Good. That's the intro then. Uh, and hello to you, our dear, valued listeners. How are you all today? Yes, yes. Have you, have you got together maybe and shared a, an MPV? Well, indeed. There's, I mean, you'd all fit in an MPV, <laughs> clearly. I think, what are we up to now, nine? Oh, it could be. Might, might even need a minibus. Wow. That's an exciting moment in a man's life, isn't it? When your <laughs> podcast listenership could warrant a minibus. I know. Wow. Where would they go? Oh, good question. Factville. Factville, just round the corner from Bourneville. Yes, <laughs> but less chocolatey. Indeed, indeed. So uh, this is, as you may have gathered, Factorally. This is a, a podcast in which Bruce and I, who are both professional voiceover artists who love random trivia, get together and discuss uh, a particular topic each week and we see what interesting, useless facts we can derive from it. Absolutely. All to make your lives more interesting. Indeed. You're welcome. <laughs> you will have dinner party conversations for seconds. <laughs> yes. If you're anything like like us too, you are the person at the dinner party who bores everyone with useless, irrelevant facts. Oh, yes. And uh, once in a while, you meet a like, like-minded individual who actually enjoys that sort of thing. Yes. That's who we are. We're up with that sort of thing. We are. We are up with it. Not down, like the kids. <laughs> up. Or even like Irish priests. <laughs> Down, Down with, that with sort this sort of, of thing. thing. <laughs> anyway, back to the subject. So this week, we're going to be talking about something which is very close to my heart. And very far from my heart. Which is man's best friend. Well, apart from Simon, obviously, but man's second best friend, which is dogs. Dogs. Uh, this, one, this one is dedicated to my dog, Baxter whose name, by the way, appears in none of my passwords. <laughs> That's always good to know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, well, okay, so let's, let's start there. Um, you have a dog called Baxter. Tell us about Baxter. So, um, I first discovered a love of the bearded collie many, many years ago. And um, they are the most fabulous dogs in the world. They look lovely. They're very intelligent, loving, wonderful creatures. And Baxter is my fourth bearded collie. Oh. Um, and his name, they, because they're beardies, they have to have a B name. So there's been Brody, Buck and Biggles uh, okay. before him. And um, they have to have a hard consonant in the middle. So you've got something to get your teeth around when you're actually screaming at him in the park. Um, and he is absolutely fabulous. He's he keeps me busy in the evenings with, with lots and lots of brushing. Mm -hmm. um, but he is a fabulous dog, and he is loved by all. Excellent. I have met Baxter. He is jolly nice. Let's leave it there. Let's leave it there. <laughs> so I um, I have a different relationship with dogs. Uh, I spent almost two decades working as a postal worker. 
And um, the, the, the old stereotypical idea of a postman being chased by a dog is not entirely fictitious. Really? Yeah, yeah. It, it, I'm, I'm not suggesting for a moment that all dogs do it, but there is a certain territorialness, a protectiveness that a dog experiences when a complete stranger goes crunching up a gravel driveway, making loud noises at the door, and then scarpering. It's it's instinctive for the dog to perhaps feel a little wary of that, and I can understand that. Um, and therefore, in the course of my, my duty, I had received a few nibbles and bites and scratches Gosh. from our canine friends. I expect a lot of that is down to the owners. So maybe I don't have a problem with dogs. Maybe I have a problem with dog owners for not training their dog well enough to know that that sort of behavior is unacceptable. I don't know. But it's kind of put me off. I have to train my postman, actually, because generally um, when the postman has a delivery to make, uh, Baxter is so excited. He's so happy to see people. and He's so friendly that he will like go... (gasps) There's somebody at the door. It's really exciting. <laughs> and once the postman knows it's Baxter, it's yes. fine because he'll yes. kind, of, kind of go roaring up the hallway and go, "Hey, it's a friend! It's a friend! It's a friend! It's a friend!" And first time postmen are kind of like, "Bloody hell, what the hell's going on?" The second yes. time they kind of like go, you know, bend down and give him a big hug and yeah. get a big lick, and it's it's fine. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. There's a certain unknown quantity. We don't know what's on the other side of that. Well, door. exactly. I, I encountered once a French Mastiff who was beautiful, adorable, friendly. He accidentally drew blood just because he jumped up at me and had quite sharp claws. But you can't hold that against him. Uh, I, My worst enemy was in a, on a particular route. It was a, a scruffy little mongrelly thing who chased me up and down the road every day. And one day it managed to catch me. It ran faster than me Damn. and it was uncomfortable. Um, but yes, so there we go. I don't hate dogs. I just don't love them. But but I mean, effectively, dogs are dogs are wolves. Hmm. I mean, they're, they're 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 domesticated wolves and foxes and jackals. And... Yeah. So that's that kind of how the 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 whole process began, isn't it? That's how the relationship between man and dog began. That we uh, started incorporating them into the household um, to protect us, to help us hunt. Um, and that sort of thing. We've we've you know had working dogs for millennia. You know we we use them to round up sheep. We use them to go and pick up birds that we've shot out of the sky. If you're into that sort of thing, um, and and therefore they're they're functional. They have a task, uh, and, and they you know they are used for that task. They have strong jaws. They're they're good runners. They are animals that have that are very good at being animals. Yes. So it's not one hundred percent surprising. To think that every now and then, you know, they might become defensive. Yes. And remember that they are a dog and not a lap cat. (laughs) It's it's very odd, isn't it? When you when you say they're all descended from wolves, and you think of the diverse range of dogs from a a Great Dane to a Chihuahua. Chihuahua. Yes. How on earth either of those things are related to a wolf is is quite surprising. So there are uh, there are over three hundred and sixty distinct breeds of dog in the world, or are there? Oh, you know something I don't know. Well, the thing is, it depends on where in the world you are, because, right. for example, the Kennel Club says that there are two hundred and twenty-two breeds, ah. whereas the uh, Americans think there are two hundred and eighty-five breeds. 
Huh. And originally, there were over a thousand breeds, but they've kind okay. of they've kind of come down. Although with there are new ones that are being brought on board. Do you know what the most popular dog is? Most popular um, breed of dog in the world? Uh, well, certainly in the UK. Ooh, uh, is it sort of something like a? Uh, uh, is it like a Labrador or something? It like is. That? Well is done. It? Yes. Get in. Top marks. Retriever Labrador. Ah, yeah, right. Absolutely the top one. Um, and most recent, most recently, uh, there's sixty one thousand um, uh, retrievers. Right. There 61, are sixty one thousand. Sixty one thousand. You think there'd be more? Oh, I was thinking that was quite a lot. <laughs> oh, are you? But it's actually the, the second most popular dog. Is is the French uh, French bulldog? These oh, days. really? It, it just massively exploded. Right, about fifty four thousand French bulldogs. It's quite a few, isn't it? So I, I read that there were uh, an estimated population of eleven million dogs. Yes, in the UK. So proportionally, that fifty four thousand isn't a lot, but it just shows how many different breeds there must be to make up that. And don't that forget, number. those are pedigree breeds. So explain you know, pedigree. We, we, so us. pedigree breeds means a, a, a pure bloodline. So this is okay. when um, dog A is the same breed as dog B, and, right, they, okay. and they get it together and produce dog C. Um, whereas uh, the, the there are several names for um, dogs that don't have parents of the same breed. Liverpool Terrier, I think, is one. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, but, but basically mongrels. Mixed breed dogs. There's an awful lot of them. Technically, most dogs are, are mongrels because you have to sort of crossbreed to get the desired result. You know, whether you want a flat face or whether you want a flat coat or whether you want a, a woolly dog, and, and bred for things like keeping your hands warm, which is which is quite interesting. Dogs are bred for keeping your hands warm. So what the Chinese used to do is they used to make a sort of like a. Um, a hand warmer, like a muff thing that you put both hands in, but you put a dog yeah. in there as well. Oh, I see. <laughs> and the warmth of the dog would actually keep your hands warm. That's great. And um, similarly, uh, very useful sort of medically for things like period pains. Oh, okay. So uh, lap dogs were original. I mean, what, as as any woman will tell you, having a, having like a hot water bottle on their tummy helps. Yeah significantly with um with period pains yes but it, if you have a living breathing hot water bottle i.e a dog you can just have that as a lap dog on your lap and that adds the weight and the warmth right. that actually helps you to deal with the pain is that why lap dogs became a thing exactly oh that's interesting so one of the one of the breeds that i was having a little look at in terms of doing its its job whatever its function is is the saint bernard aha uh -huh. or the Saint Bernard, depending on your persuasion. Saint Bernard. Saint Bernard. Very good. Uh, très bien. Um, don't know why we're saying it in French, because they're Swiss. Um, but um, the the Saint Bernards were first mentioned in, in, a, in a piece of writing in 1707 by the monks of the Saint Bernard uh, Monastery in Switzerland. Yes. Uh, which was in a, in a particularly harsh environment. And um, the, the monks kept these dogs to help them rescue people who may have got lost along the craggy alpine paths in that area. And, um, you know, because they're strong and they're quite agile and they have incredibly good senses of smell, in fact, the, the, the sense of smell, apparently a, a dog has a sense of smell that's between 10,000 and 100,000 times better than ours, depending on the breed. 
Gosh. Uh, which is due to a part of their nose, uh, which is called the Jacobson's organ, uh, which heightens their smell. And they can, they can smell objects or humans or whatever it is up to about 12 miles away. I can't even imagine how confusing that must be. Oh, there's a burger. Oh, there's a person. Oh, there's a car. <laughs> that must be very yes. disorienting. Um, but yeah, so these monks had these dogs. They helped them to rescue people. And um, y- you know the stereotypical image of a St. Bernard having a, a, a barrel of whiskey or brandy around its neck to revive oh, yes. um, people that they found who, who are lost. Um, the monks of St. Bernard's have said that's a complete falsehood we we don't do that that's been made up um and it's down to a a, a particular painting uh, made in 1820 by a painter called edwin landseer and he he made this lovely looking painting of a, of a couple of alpine mastiffs rescuing a, a man in distress with a barrel of whatever it might be around their neck oh fascinating um but it it never happened um but this this image has sort of taken off, and, and it's it's impossible to think of a Saint Bernard without having a barrel around its neck. Well, I've I've driven the Col Saint Bernard many many times because ah. it's a brilliant driving road. And um, when you get up to the top of the Col Saint Bernard, there's all the touristy shops and the and the cafe mm. and the restaurant and stuff, and it's just packed full of little cuddly toys yes. of Saint, Ber- Saint Bernard dogs with little uh, brandy barrels around their necks. And it's all due to this one chap who painted a picture. Isn't that great? There you go. One of the, one of the things that I was involved with a little while ago was um, Guide Dogs for the Blind. Oh, right. Okay. And Guide Dogs is, is fascinating. I mean, Guide Dogs have been going for about 100 years now. Hmm. I think they start, started in Liverpool in 1931. Okay. And... Um, they are absolutely brilliant. Um, they can help people to live normal lives that are sight impaired, yes. either you know blind or or partially sighted. Partially sighted is usually better with the dog. Right. Okay. Um, th- there are there are places where they teach dogs how to become guide dogs, mm. and then once a dog has been taught, then they pair the dog with the new owner mm-hmm. um, and one of the places they do this is actually in Greenwich Park oh, right. so I've actually been to a pairing ah. you have to pair the dog with, with the owner mm. but it's absolutely fascinating they, they test them uh, on the road mm-hmm. so there'd be a, a, a test driver and a test walker with a dog and the dog trainer will walk out into the road as, a do- as the test driver is driving down the road towards the dog ah. and the idea is that uh, the dog will pull the pull the uh, trainer back yes. onto the pavement and to let the driver go. And I was talking to one of the one of the guys who does this test driving thing, and he said he once got beaten up by somebody because they they sort of saw him like driving straight at this guy with a guide dog and oh. not slowing down. And uh, and then he slowed down afterwards and stopped. And this guy got him got him out of the car, like grabbed him by the lapels and said, "Didn't you see that bloke uh. with a guide dog?" <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, I'm training him. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, it was so good. But they they are absolutely brilliant, and and not all of them make the cut. Right. Okay. Um. Some some of them are just they're trained up and they just can't make it. Right. So they become other things. They become like hearing dogs of the deaf. Yeah. Or they or they join the army. Okay. Um. Or they work for customs and excise. I have an interesting story on that subject. My um, my grandmother-in-law. Uh, was going through customs at the airport once back in the 80s and um, someone from security pulled her aside and said would you mind if we just 
shoved some drugs in your suitcase because we're we're training we're training our dogs um and we want to see whether they can detect this stuff and she said yeah all right that's fine so um they they put you know they planted some drugs into her suitcase and and said gave her the instructions you know just 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 carry on as if it's not there walk through customs as you ordinarily would hopefully the dog will sniff you out we'll pull the dog back you can give us the drugs back everything will be fine so she she followed the instructions she walked towards customs um she walked right through customs and right through to the other side of customs and the dog didn't spot her and this was the beginning of her career (laughs) (laughs) she suddenly realized i can make a living of this um so this poor little old lady was standing there sort of heading towards the exit of the airport waiting for the dog and she sort of looked over her shoulder and said um excuse me do you want your drugs back (laughs) (laughs) afraid that she would never actually be accosted wow so um clearly that one didn't pass the test (laughs) Uh, needed more training indeed So, yes, yeah, so do- dogs are very well equipped to do all the things that a dog is meant to do. Um, they also seem to have a very good internal clock. Uh, they can they can quite accurately sort of tell what time of day it is. They, they know when their owners are about to come home, you know, long before the, the car pulls up or the door opens or whatever. Although the, there is a theory that, that it's actually not just that they understand time, it's that there are cues that happen at the same time each day. Ah. So they, they they go by a cue. For example, if if you hear dum de dum de dum de dum dum de dum de dum dum you know that it's seven or seven fifteen or whatever yes, okay. time it is. So so that there are various clues that give them the idea of that right. gives it gives it gives it the appearance that they are ah, good at time. So that may not actually be true. Interesting. But it may not be true. I'm perfectly happy to be corrected. That's how we learn. Myth-busting is another part of facts. <laughs> um, now, the, the lifespan of a dog. I, I've never quite understood the concept of dog years. People say about X number of years to a human is like X number of years to a dog. Um, but I believe on average dogs live for about 10 to 15 years. Is that your personal experience of having owned a few? Sadly, it is, yes. Right. Um, yeah, they they. I've been lucky in that they've gone for the high end of that. Okay, this was like for the fifteen years. Okay, but um, yes, they they they, they generally that they, they say that um, one dog year is the equivalent of seven right. human years, but it doesn't quite work that way. Uh, that's a kind of it's a bit like saying if you want to calculate centigrade from Fahrenheit or yes, uh, you sort of Fahrenheit from centigrade rather, you double it and add thirty. Right. And if you double the centigrade and add 30, you get a Fahrenheit, which is kind of true. It's in the ballpark okay. of where you are. Okay. There are websites where you can actually put your dog's age in and it will actually calculate what your dog's age is in human years. That's useful, isn't it? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> but then as I, I suppose as humans uh, are now tending to live live longer themselves, they may have to adjust that calculation. I suppose so. But then dogs are living longer as well. Are they? And that's you know, not just down to evolution but it's down to nutrition and oh. medicine yep. as well and, okay. you know, so I, I remember when I was as a kid you basically gave your dog a, a tin of food you gave him a tin yes. of pal or something yes. and there were commercials on the TV which featured dogs getting very excited about tins opening yeah, yeah. Um, it features then, highly on the opening sequence of Back to the Future well exactly 
And then there's kibble, mm-hmm. which is which was brought in, which is an easier, cleaner way of handling dog food, which mm-hmm. is basically food-infused biscuits. Yes, okay. Uh, there is now a new school of thought uh, called raw feeding, okay, uh, where you feed raw food to your dog. You feed your dog the kind of food that it would be able to eat in the wild as a wolf or as a fox right. or a jackal. Um, so this is very much um, uncooked, untreated uh, meat, fish, whatever, yeah. um, mixed with uh, vegetables and berries and herbs and all sorts of um, green stuff to offer your dog a very good uh, diet. And I've been feeding my dogs raw for the last many years now. Right. And they seem to thrive on it, and the, yeah. it, it gives them a nice silky coat and stuff like that. So, but there are there are vets that will tell you that it's very bad, and that you can give yourself all sorts of diseases I by see. handling. Which is true. I mean, if if you think about it, if you handle raw chicken, yes, for human consumption, it yes. could be as bad for you as handling raw chicken for for animal consumption. Yes, so you have to be wise about it. You do. You do. Now, talking about the nutritional aspect, um, it's alarming, the the things that go through my mind when I'm trying to get to sleep. Um, do you remember white dog poo? I do. I, I, I don't know when the shift happened, but I remember as a, as a nipper back in the 80s, uh, you would find white dog poo on the pavement. Yes. And now you don't. Not very often. Is that a nutritional thing? Is that because yes, the is. dog's diets have changed? It's kibble. It's because of kibble. Yeah. So stools. Let's talk about stools. Let's. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> <laughs> so dog stools. Um, if you feed your dog raw, for example, yeah. one of the ingredients of, of raw food is is bone. Okay. And the more bone in a dog's diet, the stiffer the stools. Ah. So more calcium and more, so on. Exactly. So. You know, you sometimes see dog poo, which basically looks like a lake of <laughs> something unpleasant. Mm. But actually, if you feed your dog raw, they usually come out as little sort of black pellets. Oh, really? Um, so they're much easier to pick up. They don't smell. It's it's so much easier and better and, and more helpful huh. with with a raw diet to uh, to pick up after your dog. But the more bone they eat, the paler their oh, um, okay. poo is so dogs used to be given on a regular basis used to be given bones from the butchers when do you remember when they used to be butchers i vaguely i think i've heard of those yeah so butchers used to give uh people the bones that they no longer needed yes um, and those bones were given to dogs yeah. and when dogs eat bones a their poo goes stiffer mm-hmm. and b it goes paler so white poo was basically from dogs that had eaten a lot of bones ah right okay so some somewhere around the late 80s early 90s Big on kibble. Big on kibble, not so big on bones. Yeah. Mm, interesting. There you go. We solved that mystery. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you want to talk about dog poo, ask it. Ask. In fact, you can always tell a dog owner because if you go through their pockets, you'll find little black, little plastic bags. Yes, little poo bags. Yeah. Yes. Now, we, we've we've developed a bit of a theme recently, which uh, we get to a certain point in the podcast when I start breaking out the Guinness World Book of Records. Oh! Um, and we, we talked about you know various different breeds, big ones, small ones, etc. Some as big as your head. Indeed. 
or bigger. <laughs> uh, so I decided to look up the biggest and the smallest ever dogs. Uh, the largest dog, these are both quite recent as well, actually. It, it's not sort of a historical record. They're both, I think, they're, they're sort of both still alive. So these are current records. Uh, there is a, a, a Great Dane called Zeus, uh, who's a two-and-a-half-year-old dog. He is the tallest dog in the world. He stands at three foot five and a half inches off the ground at the, sh- at the shoulder at the shoulder uh and if he goes up on his hind legs he's over seven foot tall that's quite large that's a big dog isn't it that's a foot higher than neither you or i i know i know but they're such charming sweet good-natured dogs as well which is just Are as they? well frankly because they could rule the world if they decided <laughs> going to be the the extent of my knowledge of Great Danes is Scooby-Doo and, and the fact that I can go... <laughs> <laughs> oh, i tell you what we haven't talked about. Oh, sorry, let's talk about the smallest dog Oh, first. good point. Right, smallest dog. Um, probably no surprise. It's a, a chihuahua. Uh, there is a chihuahua from Florida called Pearl who is only three and a half inches tall. That's really small, isn't it? And five and a bit inches long, roughly wow. the size of a dollar bill. It's hardly big enough for a hamburger. No, it's, it's, it's like a pocket. So you talked about Scooby-Doo, which brings us to a whole other area of, of dogs, which is dogs in cartoons and popular culture. Ooh, OK. Challenge accepted. When, when you said it, I, I kind of laugh. I, I have a certain sort of laugh, which goes... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> okay. So that's Muttley from yep. Wacky Races, isn't it? Right. Uh, Dick Dastardly's dog. <laughs> yes, very good. And then there was, um, I guess, Superman's dog. Superman's dog. He had a dog called Crypto. Did he? Uh, not after the currency, after after Krypton. Oh, okay, uh, right. Yes, a, a dog that wore a cape, which oh. is a very strange thing to see. I don't remember Superman having a dog, but fair enough. Yes, so so he did. Um, do you remember the Jetsons? I do remember. The, d- did they have a dog? They had a dog called Astro. Aha. Um, spoke an awful lot like Scooby, actually. Um, <laughs> I think I have a vague memory of him hovering as if he had some kind of m- special space-age collar or something on him that made him hover. That might be entirely false. Why not? Let's assume it's true. Tell me in the comments if that's a false memory or not. Um, other dogs in popular culture. There must have been loads. Um, there's Lassie. Yes, of course. Who was some kind of collie. What's that, Simon? They're down the well. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember The Littlest Hobo? Uh, vaguely. It, it was a, a Canadian show when I was a, a kid. There was a a husky, I think, a husky-esque dog who went around the country helping people and then moving along. Had a really nice theme tune. It gets stuck in your head after a while. Uh, I won't do it. Um, other dogs in popular culture, Huckleberry Hound, of course, uh, from Hanna Barbera. Yes, do you know Hanna Barbera? Interesting, stupid fact about Hanna Barbera. Go on. Is that all of their animated or most of their animated characters, uh, regardless of whether they were human or animals, always wore a little collar. If you remember, sort of, yeah. if you think about them, they're, they're wearing a collar and a small tie. Yeah, often. that's right. Yeah, yeah. Whether they're wearing clothes or not, they had a collar and a tie. And the reason for that is that you could animate the head separately to the rest of the body. 
But it's really hard to do that unless you've got some kind of physical way of disjointing oh, the head from the body. Oh, and, a, so and a collar and tie is a very easy way of doing that. Yes, that's fantastic. I love that. Oh, oh Goofy, of course. Oh, perfect. Oh, now, OK, come on. Explain this to me. Goofy is an upright humanoid dog who talks. Yes. Pluto is a dog that acts like a dog. Every now and then you'd see Goofy and Pluto going for a walk. That makes no sense to me. Did Pluto forget to evolve? What happened there? That's very odd, isn't it? It never really occurred to me. (laughs) You're you're absolutely right. Very odd. Snoopy. Snoopy, of course. I knew there was one hanging around in the back of my mind. Snoopy from the Peanuts cartoons. Yes. Yes, fantastic dog. He's a very good dog. He's a very good dog. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of whether were there any other cartoon dogs. Oh yeah, Brian, uh, Brian Griffin. Oh, from Brian Family, from Family Guy. Guy, who basically runs the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I think that's as many dogs as we can think of in in popular culture. If um, we've if, missed loads, I expect so. The comments will be full of, yes. of dogs. How and... dare you? You've neglected my favourite childhood episode of Insert Title Here. Yes, I remember insert title here. It was a good show. Yes. I very nearly included Dino from the Flintstones because he was very dog-like. <laughs> right, well... So that's dogs. That is dogs. Um, <laughs> we've made a, a bit of a dog's dinner of that. Yes. Um, but it's a dog's life, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> we doggedly carried on, though. Indeed, we have. <laughs> Um, dogs have got all sorts of things, haven't they? Like the loyalty and the mm. companionship. And everything. Do you know what? I like dogs. I kind of got that impression. When I'm on holiday without my dog, I go up to strangers' dogs and go, excuse me, would you mind if I gave your dog some love because I'm not with my dog? <laughs> the thing is that the, the strangers that own the dogs understand. Yes, okay, they feel your pain. Yeah. Well, there you go. So that's an, another episode of Factorally. If you have enjoyed it, please let us know. If you haven't enjoyed it, please let us know anyway. And the way you can let us know is by the comments. You can also subscribe or like or share with friends. You can indeed. Um, The more the merrier. So thank you for listening. We've been Simon Wells and Bruce Fielding. Please come again next time for more Factorally. Factorially. Cheerio.